You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Welcome to Quantum Leap Book Club. During the next hour, beloved mind scientist Parisha and her guests from around the world will read and discuss various best-selling books with well-known authors. Every show will apply retention techniques designed to help you to absorb powerful knowledge to effectively change your life. Join us every week for a thought-provoking hour and re-listen as often as you can. You will be delighted by what you learn and you will be excited by the results. Are you ready to take the quantum leap? Here's Parisha. Greetings. This is Quantum Leap Book Club, and I'm your host, Parisha. And with me today, we have Steve Jones in Arizona. We have Eloe, who is in Sydney, Australia. We have Trina Cooper, who is in Denver, Colorado. And we have Marianne Love, who is in Melbourne, Australia. So we're kind of scattered out today. Um, We will be starting a new book next week. And that book will actually be Biocentrism, and that will be by Robert Lanza, an MD. Okay, so we want to give you a little heads up so you can get a book and follow along with us in the reading. I would also like to say the book that we're finishing today is Dying to Be Me, okay, by Anita Morjani. And I have had many, many books. We've been doing this for, I know I have been doing this for pretty much about 10 years now. And I don't think I've seen as much response with any of the other books that I've covered in the media as I have this one. And I think it's timely because of things that are going on in our world, the changes, the global changes, not just the personal changes, but the global changes that we're undergoing is making people want to have greater answers and assurance. And unfortunately, sometimes our religions don't give us that. We're taught more maybe the fear of God than the love of God. And so people are looking at this and actually feeling extremely comfortable and relieved with how Anita has actually shared her particular death experience. So as we're going along today and working with this, there'll be some reading that I'll want to finish to do. But what I would really, really hope is that anyone who's actually dealing with any kind of emotional reaction or crises due to what's happening in our world, that you take up this book and actually read it, especially the ending that we're covering, because there's the back section of this book brings a lot of personal questions to the forefront and actually gives us a summary that just puts it in the simplest words I've ever heard explained, okay? And how to actually begin to accept ourselves. And that seems to be so big right now in everything, life coaches, as far as that going, people in personal development and spiritual explorations and stuff. Everybody is looking at trying to look at themselves and brand themselves, not just consider themselves, but brand themselves as negative people or bad people or people that really need to not be this way or that. And it isn't about that. Then along with that, we're almost hypocrites when we turn around and say that we're supposed to be self-loving and loving of everything in the world, okay? Anita brings all of that in and actually shares her experience on the other side of breath and heartbeat. And in that particular realm, comes very close to what we discuss here constantly on this show in covering the books we cover, as well as what we each participate and work on throughout every day of our life. And that's consciousness. It's all about consciousness. And the sciences that we now have available to us that have explored that give us the answers that most scriptures never gave us, or at least the scriptures we were given didn't give us. And now looking at it, it's much easier to understand an all-loving presence. As a parent, and I'm sure some of you are parents, when we begin to look at where and how we have parented people coming into our lives as our children, and what we will do for them, and how we care for them, and how allowing and forgiving we are of whatever particular interaction happens between us and their personality selves or even their decisions. We're always allowing for that. And with all of our heart, we always want the very best. So I cannot expect less 
from a God I believe in. And when I look at my relationship with the three children of my womb, I could never ever think of anything that they could possibly do that I would consider abandoning them or casting them into such a deep punishment as would involve eternity. So I've never had those particular expectations of what I believe in. And so I think Anita brings us very close and into the hearts and the homes of everyone who reads her book and shares her experience. And when she comes to some of her opinions, I love the fact that she most definitely preempts anything that she teaches by saying that she doesn't have all the answers, that she has her answers, and that she has the answers that make the most sense for her of her experience. So I hear people, and mine being one of them, that I have not necessarily agreed with every perception she has on particularly how we come to self-realization. But then again, when you just read the next paragraph or one ahead, you find out that it's not all that and then some, that it's very allowing and more open to where it's never incorrect or wrong. It's just said in a different way, okay? And so I really, really hope that if for no other reason for chapter 17, 18, and the summary in the back of this book is that you get this book and that you allow it to be your daily reflection and that you keep reminding yourself as we so hopefully feel that we're doing for you with what we share on our show, that you never give up on yourself and that you give yourself so much more credit and that at any particular point of wherever you are in your discovery and your exploring deeper into the realms of self-being, that you always do that with the open-mindedness of knowing that as you learn, everything changes. That as you now can understand, forgiveness is not necessary. That as we come to be farther into the conscious states of what is real and reality, that none of that adds up to anything other than let go and release. And that we hope that as we cover today some of the final works that's in this book, that you actually see that. But again, whether you've actually gone along with us or just listened to us each week and didn't get the book, now I would say to you, you do not want to continue to not have this book. You really want to read it. And please follow what I said, 1718 in summary, the back of this book has answers that every one of us need, no matter how long we've been doing this, to help reflect where we're at and what's going on. I'm going to open today with the letting Steve Jones kind of give us his reflection on chapter 17 and the summary of the book. So Steve, what did you get out of all of this? Well, she has some really great points in uh, in the, the wrapping up the book. I think the things that stood out to me um, were that after all of this and her, her NDE, what she's found to do is to really follow her heart and do away with negative self-judgment. She's not trying to follow rules of a dogma or religion and Rather, she looks into herself and finds what she's passionate about and what she feels she connects with. And that she explained, you know, that's different with everybody. But rather than a rule, she follows her heart. And she lets her, which something that I found um, helpful is that she lets negative, if she has a negative thought, she doesn't engage with it. She just lets it pass. And she explains that there's kind of a trap that people get into. They start feeling bad about having a negative thought, which gives them another negative thought. It's just kind of like a cycle. So um, just just letting letting the negative thoughts go and, and just moving on and watching them and knowing they're negative and just letting them go and, and not engaging is, is, is really helpful. And she talks about attracting things into our life. Everybody's you know, worried about having a negative thoughts. And it's really more to do with how we feel about ourselves rather than if a, a thought comes through our head, because that really defines how we interact with the universe. And then also our thoughts of how the universe interacts with us. Like if, you know, if you feel that there's not enough in the, for everybody 
or if the if the universe is supportive supportive of you, uh, you know, you'd have different outcome than if you thought you know everything's out to out to get you and and blaming other people for for things. That's going to have more of an effect than just having a random negative thought going through your through your mind. And so she just really attract you know rather than trying to attract things she tries to when she has a a feeling or a desire she allows it rather than going after it and trying to to get it she know she has the feeling she knows she wants it, and then she clears herself of all the the other things happening in her mind and in her feelings to allow that come to come into herself because she already has that desire she already has that magnetics um and I thought a, a, an interesting statement was that that the kinder I am to myself, the more the outward events of the world will reflect that. That's that's really powerful. I yeah. mean, and I, I think the the most couple of the most you know important things I saw was that she understood that that you know time is already woven. It's already there. Everything that you have or could desire is already there and you just need to expand your consciousness to allow that to come to you. And um, her most important takeaway from the experience was just to love yourself unconditionally and to be yourself fearlessly. So just loving yourself in all, you know, in all matters, you know, is just gonna bring that energy to, to allow and attract everything that you need and not and not define it but another thing was that she said she doesn't define it anymore she just knows that the universe will bring her what is best for her without saying getting in her mind and say well and it would be like this it would be like that just to know that it will bring the best and then just allow it to come and, and see what happens with that that's all cool isn't it and and, and just to think that even Okay, even for us to under to try to understand by saying unconditional love, we're still putting conditions on it because it again we're saying that unconditional is a condition. So it's like when we when we get into the try of wording or trying to to communicate something and find the correct words, we we go through that sense of uh, frustration again. I love it in the times that I've spent in the monasteries with the monks to where silence is the only communication and how much more deeper the meaning of everything is that is shared in the experience without us trying to put words to it. And I, I, that has carried me through these 82 years in a very profound and powerful way. It is in the silence and the, the not need of words that actually we've we can touch the consciousness of what the message is or what it is we need to hear. And I, I, I feel that in acceptance, I love how she actually says that just to let it go past. And then the very uh, maybe trip for the rest of us is trying to find out how do you let that negativity pass because of how deep the emotions are to it. And she's so right on. I think all, all of us have actually learned in our lives already that to engage in it is just to intensify it. So observing it and know, seeing what it is, that it is what it is, and then allowing it just to be that. And it's not judgment then at that point. Then we're not judging it good or bad. We're observing that's what it is. And I think that, and, and many people have shared this, I would say a good 75 people out of the 400 people who've contacted me regarding this book 400 and better, still counting, have actually shared that now they understand more. The, the particular little cliche that we all say is that we're not the body. I think Anita has done such a fantastic job in making sure that is the message, that we are not the body, that this is such a temporary state, and that what is real about us is the consciousness and the intelligence of that. And as we, each one of us, the, you, you all know that what I get out here and pound very hard on is that each one of us have a contribution to that, that along with understanding what I just said, that we're not the body, 
and that we're already there. And everything that could possibly be desired or wanted by you is already yours. You just need to put it into allowing it to be yours. Okay. And that being world peace and that we will not harm each other and that we will stop the suffering and the pain. It, it is coming so fast that people are looking at, at the futility of war and realizing that it makes no sense to pursue peace by declaring war, okay? And, and to know that this body is the gift and, and the adventure and that those emotions that we're calling negative are the body. They're not the, the foreverness or the soul or whatever your particular reflection and name is for the everlasting. That that's already a given. And that it's it's us teaching and actually developing that this body, this human perfection of an altar becomes everything that God is and, and allowing ourselves to be a part of that, but not judging it, just simply looking at it and understanding as you would a child. I think about my children and I think about how over the years watching them take up different opinions on things in life and patiently listening to their story or their carings on about it and then actually just drawing into the finalization of some of their ideas, some suggestions or thoughts or questions. I I learned very early in teaching my children is that telling them anything didn't work, but asking them questions worked very, very good. So having them come to where I wanted them to see something through a question work. And so I've learned to do that with my own mind child and my own body emotions. And if we can all do that, then we know that there is a greaterness of us that is always there. We're never alone. And that we can move forward in that, not fear what we call death. And once we lose all these fears, surely we will know better than to harm each other. Let's move on and see what Trina in Denver, Colorado has to say about her experience here with Chapter 17. Oh, this one was really nice. Um, I, I love just at the very beginning of the chapter, she gave so many great little tips, little hints, things to think about, like live from joy, not from fear. And she actually said, if you catch yourself saying, well, I'm going to do this just in case, it you're coming from fear when you're thinking that way. So it's okay to plan. It's okay to put pieces in. But if you really find yourself worrying, then you're really coming from fear. Yep. And to come from love and follow your heart, um, really find that passion and the things that light you up. And see yourself as an infinite being. That magnificence that she talked about was amazing. And again, the self-love. And that the external world really reflects how we are, are inside. What we're doing inside or what we're feeling inside. Because that's what becomes very aware to us. It's if we're feeling a certain way. We see those things. We feel those things. And they, they come into our tapestry. So we need to have that awareness. Another thing that I really that really jumped out for me is that um, that individual paths are right for that individual. That we're all unique, we're all different, and we shouldn't be in that place of judgment because another person is going to do something completely different than the way we would do it. So come from, go inside and find yourself, find your own individual path, and follow what lights you up. You don't have to actually do everything that everybody wants you to do. Um, do what really feels good for you. Some other things that really jumped out for me was um, she talked a lot about how negative thoughts, this was on page 157, negative thoughts don't really attract negativity. It's the feeling, feeling about yourself negatively that can bring in that negativity. But it works the same way with positivity too that it's not so much a positive thought like the affirmations, but you really have to feel it in order for it to begin to produce something in your life. So there was so much in this chapter about feeling things, to be aware of how you're feeling. And if something, if you have a bad day, then 
you know, be with it. Just feel what you're going through. Don't bottle it up. Don't try and hide from it. Just feel how it feels and let it move past. And then go and do something that's going to help you feel better, whether it goes outside and walk in nature, take a run, listen to music, do some art, whatever it is that's going to raise you up and make you feel better is something that is going to completely change your day if you have a day that's a little bit clunky for yourself. And then another thing that I really loved is she kind of summarized it toward the end of it. Um, one thing she said was she views herself as an ongoing work of perfection. So there's always changing. She's, it's like you're perfect, but you're always in motion and things are always moving. And so you're this ongoing work of perfection. So embrace yourself for that, that you are perfect and that you're moving, you're constantly moving, you're constantly growing, you're, and to let go, expand, and allow the things to flow through you. So finally, the last thing would be, she kind of sums things up, and that's kind of how I feel about this, is that you really have to trust. It's important to trust what you're feeling, what you're getting, what thoughts you have, how you feel. Be true to yourself, and um, live in this self-love and this allowing. Just open yourself to the magic of what's there and create from that place. Because as she talked about, as a tapestry, the tapestry, you can allow into your tapestry whatever you want to allow in. So embrace what you bring in and work with it. And since everything is already connected, she said, don't be attached because it makes everything slower. Instead, just feel that allowing and that everything, because you're connected, because everything is one, it's already there. You just get to choose what it is that you want to do in any particular time. So that's some of the things that really stood out for me in, chap in this chapter. And that works really good. I, I do encourage people because uh, the, some of the feedback I've gotten is people saying that they have read the book. Some people have said they read the book more than once, in fact, and that they've also heard a lot of her uh, particular uh, videos and things that's, that's out there on YouTube. And a couple of people, or more than a couple, there are probably a little less than a dozen people had shared they've actually gone on uh, ex, you know, experiences, experiences with her on different uh, programs and stuff she's done and they've attended. And that at some point, they're saying that while in the book, she makes it all sound very smooth and easy, but that she also shares the test that she still goes by. And that, like I had said earlier, starting this, I, I appreciate that before she actually starts to give her opinion on different questions that are asked of her, that she wants people to understand that she doesn't have all the answers, that she's talking from her own best knowledge and experience with things. And that how she shares and what she's sharing on the personal level is she's not void of what you and I are still going through. That's not what the message in this book is about. The message is actually helping us look at death without the fear of that and to look at the things that we suffer from in a much lighter way. And she's not at all saying in anything that I've heard and, and looked at or had people share with me that at this point in time, she has this easy, you know, it's it's about just loving yourself and it all works. No, she doesn't say that. She actually says it makes it easier and it helps you come to peace with it a lot faster. And that does make sense. But that when, like I've had very, I guess, especially a couple of uh, self-help coach people have actually contacted me <laughs> through the media and took issue with some of the things we actually say on our show here, you know, how we can, can constantly are spewing off about self-love and acceptance and everything else. And their whole particular view of that is that nothing gets done until we confront what it is that has to change. And then the question comes back, well, who determines that it has to change? You know, and what who's saying that and from what particular perspective are we going for it from that way? OK, and so there are a lot of things to come back to. But I totally agree with that, that 
if we are looking and still searching, there's something we haven't agreed to that's not there. We are still understanding that unspoken is still there that says we're looking for something that isn't there yet. Okay. What we are saying to those of you who have looked at it from that perspective is that we are saying that this particular way just helps getting you get there. Not that we're saying that there are things in your life that need to be whatever you feel is confronting. I just want to say that if we confront things with such high emotions, they kind of get caught there. You know what I mean? And when we start trying to discuss things with people we love that we want them to understand things that we feel, sometimes that all ends up in being the opposite outcome that we're seeking. So we're just saying that if we can look at what we are thinking, okay, let's think of negative emotions, okay, and we observe that, and I do this all the time, I'll actually, you know, you, you realize that as empaths, meaning we we suck up other things, emotions, and we, we're sensitive and responsive to other things around us, be they beautiful or be they whatever, okay, they're still there. And there are times that I'll actually have something roll across the front of my mind and it's like, okay, Parisha, where did that come from? You know what I mean? And it's like actually looking at the source of that and being gentle with myself that I just had a real flippant reaction or a thought to that that is out of character for me. And I have determined the character of me. And that as that that particular description or definition that I have self-proclaimed is that I don't, that don't fit with me. To be like that is not being me. And so we are saying that those things still exist and that isn't anything that Anita's changing. And when we're saying just let the negativity flow through, okay, we're still saying that if it's, it, if you're thinking it's negative, it's undesirable. And if it's undesirable, don't take, don't give it any time and don't invest in it. If you look at it and you realize that's not how you want to be, let it move away as quickly as it can and bring in something that'll back up what you want to feel and who you are and what you want to be. That's all we're saying. Okay. So we're not trying to say it's la 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 from here on in and that life. She's still going through changes and, and obstacles that every one of us are. She's saying that didn't change. It's just a matter of how she embraces them now, different from when she was before. That's all. Okay. So we're going to go on and let Eloe give us her particular uh, summary on the chapter. So Eloe, where are you at? Out in the forest someplace? This time I'm actually in an office, which is different, but the the forest is always with me virtually, if not real. It's just out the window. Um, chapter 17, the whole key part that it really stood out is, um, as she said, it's just thinking from joy instead of thinking from fear and just doing a little run on an internal dialogue or what I was choosing in a day. If I was to quickly rank things in a day, I can see, you know, even even a job. Am I saying to myself, "Am I doing this job for joy or fear? Am I doing this particular report for joy or fear? Am I eating this food for joy or fear?" And it's it's interesting to see what are the thoughts behind that because even me eating healthy all the time, I was like, "Interesting. Do I really love the taste of this cabbage so much more than chocolate, or have I conditioned myself that?" cabbage is better for chocolate and I must make myself think that it's better and therefore feel joyful that I'm eating cabbage um, or whatever it else it might be. So that was an interesting exercise. I'm going to look at that a little bit more, but not too much because I don't need to go in any rabbit holes, but just to have an awareness around any part of any day. So that was the first thing, live in joy, not fear. Um, within that, I, I did have to have some self-realizations around realizing that, like she says in the opening of the chapter, there's times of living to realize there's a living to please others. Even if I could convince myself it's pleasing myself, 
there are strings in there that have attachments to them. And I think that was important to acknowledge that there are strings everywhere, whether they be your work, whether they be your children, whether they be a client. I didn't want to stay up later one night and finish a report. However, it was for the client that I had made an agreement to. So then it gets twisted. Am I doing this for me to feel better because I said I would or because I need that client to say I'm good? As I said, we won't go too far in those, but what it did is allow me to go, ah, in my head, am I saying that was a good day or am I saying you fell short? And that's a particular sentence that she's got here that she found that switch. She used to be finding herself falling short on whatever she had created. And as you just said, you know, who determines the character of me? You shared that you determined the character of you and therefore you can have a set of things that you say this is or isn't in alignment with how I determine the character of me. And I think that's a powerful exercise for each of us to do because another part in this chapter she says that there's a feeling that so much of what we just front up with is the collection of stories that we've told ourselves as cultures for many years. And in this part, she also shares that she's not saying any one culture is right or wrong. She even gives the example that the um, Indian particular um, outlook on food is completely opposite to that from the Chinese. And she was there in, in Singapore where they're both present. And people were getting great benefit from one and others were getting great benefit from the other. But where she sat needing to mix between the two, it created confusions and no lack of clarity. So in the chapter, she really just unpacks, unpacks and unpacks that it's nothing particular, but the key thing is not to be divisive. So that was that was a part, you know, whether we were looking at having a spiritual life or not having a spiritual life. She says everything is a spiritual life. Every minute, every moment is spiritual. And the and I know that Trina mentioned this as well, that that key that stands out is the emotions are the barometer of the life around you. So if someone, she said someone might look like they're doing healthy and happy and everything, but if their life has got a whole lot of stuff going on, there's probably some things underneath. And that leads to another key part of Chapter 17 that it says it's not about suppressing the emotions. And I find being from, like I have some British heritage, it's very it's very cultural that you, it's even called the stiff upper lip. You don't show it if stuff is going on for you. The cultural way is my, I am, I'm fine because you're not going to see it. I'll handle it. But it's not saying I will give a good face because that's, that's what helps those around me, but I will then go and look at it, work it out and allow it to move through. It really just says, no, you suppress it. You put it in a box and you don't open it again. So I can hear what you're saying about life coaches saying, oh, you've got to get through it. That's different. I don't need to go back into those boxes and open them up. That's not what I'm hearing her say here. What I'm hearing her say is if I'm feeling mad in a minute, just be mad for the minute and be over it. If it's not an appropriate place to be mad, then be mad internally for half a minute. But go back and just go, what was that? And have tools in place that it's not suppressed and not held. Towards the end where it gets to the questions, I found that absolutely fascinating. And uh, in, in just a moment, key points were it's always got to be coming from inside, not outside, for the validation, for the feeling, for everything. It's, yeah. If not, it's totally illusionary. It's just nothing. There's no judgment in the afterlife. That was a big thing that people kept having questions. You know, what if they're a murderer? What if they're this? What if they're that? No judgment in the afterlife. No even concept because all the concepts aren't even there. They're human. And the last bit was um, selfishness is a lack of self-love. So when you find yourself doing so-called selfish actions or judging someone else as selfish, know that there's a cup that's not quite filled and know the tools to fill the cup. That's right. And and we can take from selfish, self is. And what is self? You know, at the point when we're asking ourselves and judging ourselves in, in different respects. The other thing is, is actually meeting some people, especially now it's the holidays here. I don't, I know that kind of a planetary celebration of what we call Christmas, but 
people are thinking about being generous and giving. And right now, uh, I, I take care of the homeless 364 days a year, 65 days a year, actually, one day planet at all. <laughs> but anyway, I find that especially on the holidays, people become very oriented and thinking they need to go out and do something for these people and so forth and on. And I've run into people who have shared with me that their parents cautioned them to not be so generous and not to give away, not to give everything away and to, you know, be conservative in their generosity. And that's a new thing for me. I In all of the years I've been working, I've never really had that, had people coming to me with that. And I would have to say that, especially from the Thanksgiving, what we would consider Thanksgiving here in the U.S. in November, right up into these holidays, and there's a number of different holidays going on at this point, that people, you know, everyone does think of the plentiful table and the giving and stuff, and that somewhere along someone's path, and maybe it was depression during the war, whatever, but people have been cautious with that and I and they were having extreme feelings of guilt over feeling that way when they're looking at what's happening in the Middle East and all over the world and everything and I'm watching them as they're sharing that and, and the pain in their face when they're talking about how ashamed they are of feeling that they you know need to be conservative with being generous and stuff and trying to make up for it now or whatever and that this 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 is one of the many things that we're saying that obviously the joy that you talked about LOA and and the feelings that she has on you know are these things are you happy about these things does this make you feel good and at whatever point we still are looking at some effects that we judge ourselves for as what has been impressed on us by the environment not just parents but school parents and religion and work and anything else, any any important person in our life. And that that more than ever speaks to me of paying attention to her situation here of not judging ourselves so much and hanging on to the negative. Like I said, when I look at the faces of these people and see they're suffering so hard and uh, that over now and feel actually a couple of people voice that they feel that probably that kind of thinking is what's brought our world to where it's at. And it's like my first response to them is, okay, please don't take on the condition of the world all about you not giving a Christmas gift. You know what I mean? So let's come back and relook at this. And and knowing that how how small are some of those things that we make unlivable Something like that, something something that we're looking at in our everydayness and thinking that it's not enough in any way, shape, or form, if it, it gave a moment of delight or a reflection of divine, meaning anything that's beautiful and anything that is spiritually touching, we we need to give ourselves credit for that. That's what we need to take credit for. And that comes with self-is. And what is the self that you are and how much of what somebody else put in there is there kind of weed all that out because this is the season as well as the situation of our world that's calling for us all to look at what is good of us, not what is sad and not what is wrong, but more what is right and be in that righteousness. So yeah, that's all good. And uh, I love how playful you were in coming forth and sharing. You bring some humor into that LOA. That's always helpful. That always makes it a little easier. Now, Marianne, what have you got to say with this? Now, Marianne is a therapist, so she's going to be on the serious side of this a little bit more, maybe, huh? What did you, you get out of 17? I like to think I'd be on the playful side, but I'm sure I do go deep into the um, well, I mean, some of it is a serious side because I really see that what she's talking about is getting past belief systems and the way that you've been programmed and underlying belief systems like I'm not safe, I'm not good enough. And and in her experience, she got to, you know, go to the other side of all of that, realize that she is love and that we're all love and that's the truth and the essence of our nature. And so I think it's a little bit ironic that we often like keep reading books, like we get turned to religion, we turn to philosophies, we find ways of finding beliefs that help us out of our suffering. 
And yet what she's saying is she dropped all those beliefs because actually all those beliefs caused the suffering and she got past them and it's from the place of love that she looked back of the, on them and said, oh, they're a limiting container. They're actually not the truth, any of them, none of them. Um, and so I guess that leaves all of us wondering, all right, so love is the answer. Now how do we access it? How do we access that in ourselves? And a couple of the points she made I thought was really interesting about um, it's not about the external factors of having, say, a bad week. It's actually about how you show up in within yourself, how you come to that bad week. Um, and so nothing external has to be bad if you show up in a way that is not judging of yourself, peaceful towards yourself and happy towards yourself. And I think that's a real turnaround for a lot of people on this planet because a lot of we're looking for the external to reflect the internal, but actually she's saying internal reflects external. So um, that means we have a huge amount of control over our reality because it's not about what happens to us. It's what it's how we happen to eat at the end of the day is my take home from that. Um, a couple of the other things I liked was she said, you know, you can find this whatever way, the path, whatever way you like. Like, so if that's through a multi-million dollar business, then that's how that is for you. That's true. Some people might climb a mountain, meditate on top of a mountain. Other people, you know, find it through religion, through business, through however you want to find it. Just follow your truth. Um, there's no right or wrong in any of it, which I like because every, every one of us are on our own path. Um, and our own path to awareness and realisation. And she invites us to live consciously in every moment um, and to really drop into the truth that we are fundamentally enough, we are already enough. Um, and, yeah, that's what I got out of it. Okay. and But when you're saying that, when we say that, that we're already enough, okay, we again we look for the outer environment to tell us that we look for okay like sometimes when people are working with me on the spiritual path and they'll say well i don't see the evidence of the change and it's like they're expecting some spectacular thunderbolt or whatever you know what i mean and these are subtle inward changes these are these are things that become stationary they stay they care they heal they they enhance us and uh they don't necessarily come with the bells and the dongs and the lights and the so forth and on and, and looking at that brings in what it is that we find peace and harmony with and uh, accepting ourselves knowing it's all there is one thing okay now how do you get it to come forward and what who the different groups and people I'm working with now seem to have that spiritual what I call spiritual constipation that they're they're not letting it in they're still thinking that it has to come through this way or that and they're not opening themselves to realize they don't have the solution or they would already have it so trust that the unknown or from the source itself you're going to get what that is but you have to be at this point feeling the the accepting of it feeling the worthiness of it feeling the gratitude and the appreciation for it and that has to begin with us actually understanding those feelings do you already feel you appreciate what you have are you already grateful for the things that are in your life because if you're trying to invent that after you get whatever this is you desire you've got the horse behind the cart so we have to kind of take off and go at that differently I really want to close our show today with reading on page 163 in the question and answer section in chapter 18. And Anita was asked the question, do you feel that it's possible to replicate that state of unconditional love here in this physical realm? And I chose this because I've so often given the example that she gives here of the crystal. She begins, each of us at our own core already is pure and unconditional love. However, when we express it here in this physical realm, we alter it through the mind and then express itself as human emotions. The best metaphor I can think of to illustrate this is the example of white light passing through a prism. Unconditional love is like pure white light. 
when you shine it through a prism, it refracts into all of the different colors of the rainbow. These represent our emotions, our human emotions, love, joy, anxiety, envy, compassion, hate, empathy, and so on. Each of us is like a prism, refracting pure light, and which she's got in parentheses, love, into all the different colors of the rainbow and all of the hues, but all of the hues, sorry about this, emotions are equally needed for the whole. A few people, if any, would have bring, I'm kind of losing it here. Why don't you pick that up, Marianne, and read that, can you? Who's on page? Few people, if any, would ever bring moral judgment against any given color. We wouldn't say, oh, that color is evil or that color is sinful, but we do this to people and their expression of emotion, seeing some feelings as right and others as wrong. When we judge some of our emotions as being negative and try to deny them, we're suppressing part of who we are. This creates a blockage within us and prevents us from expressing the fullness of our magnificence. Just as attracting certain colours from the spectrum on the basis of a moral judgment would truncate the light and make something it really isn't. We don't have to act on any emotion. We just have to accept that they are part of who we are. Deny them would be like pro prohibiting a certain colour from being refracted through the prism. Only by embracing the full spectrum of our feelings without judgment can we get in touch with the pure essence of unconditional love that resides at our core. See, I, that's so simply said, and I've used that so often myself to actually see that in someone that called me on one of the many lines that I work with on the things that I do actually read that to me and said, do you know how many times I've, I've got this written down almost verbatim? As you move to the leap into greater consciousness, have a powerful week and allow your light to shine. And as always, all good things. OCO. Thank you for listening to Quantum Leap Book Club. For more information where you can contact us, go to LOARadioNetwork.com forward slash quantum hyphen leap. Have a great week.
Have a powerful week and allow your light to shine. And as always, all good things. OCO. Thank you for listening to Quantum Leap Book Club. For more information where you can contact us, go to LOARadioNetwork.com forward slash quantum hyphen leap. Have a great week. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Welcome to Quantum Leap Book Club. During the next hour, beloved mind scientist Parisha and her guests from around the world will read and discuss various best-selling books with well-known authors. Every show will apply retention techniques designed to help you to absorb powerful knowledge to effectively change your life. Join us every week for a thought-provoking hour and re-listen as often as you can. You will be delighted by what you learn and you will be excited by the results. Are you ready to take the quantum leap? Here's Parisha.